Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. We've made it to episode 100. To celebrate this huge milestone, we've put together this special episode, taking you on a journey with our SkillCore Saudi Arabia team. For almost 20 years, the Global Autism Project has been providing sustainable clinical, administrative, and leadership training to autism centers around the world seeking guidance. Our SkillCore Volunteer Program is an opportunity for self-advocates and professionals to travel to our international partner sites and collaborate with their local teachers and therapists. If you follow our work closely, you may already know that we recently sent two of our SkillCore teams back into the field for the first time since the start of the pandemic. We were thrilled to see our partners again in Saudi Arabia and Kenya. We usually send out teams of up to 10 people three times a year for two weeks at a time. The team members are complete strangers when they meet for orientation in New York, and by the end of their two-week trip, oftentimes they've become close friends. I still keep in touch with many of the teammates that I've traveled with. So far, over 500 volunteers have joined our SkillCore alumni community, and many are repeat travelers. Each SkillCore team has a trip leader, and sometimes a leader in training, or LIT for short. I led the team in Saudi Arabia and was accompanied by an LIT, Corey Taylor. I thought it would be really interesting to document various moments throughout the two weeks so that we could share the experience and give you a glimpse of what happens on a SkillCore trip. After reviewing hours and hours of great content, we realized that trimming down too much would be a disservice to you. So this episode will be a two-parter. Today, you'll hear excerpts from conversations about learning and self-discovery, first impressions of Saudi culture, openness and flexibility, cultural humility, building rapport with the staff at Namayi, collaboration and teamwork, community outreach, and making an impact. In this episode, discover what's possible when caring is enough to make a difference. We're currently taking applications for trips in July and October to Saudi Arabia and other partner sites, including Ecuador, Dominican Republic, China, India, Indonesia, Tanzania, Kenya, and Rwanda. Join us today at skillcore.globalautismproject.org. That's S-K-I-L-L-C-O-R-P-S. And use the coupon code AUTISMPODCAST to waive the application fee. And now I present you SkillCore Team Saudi Arabia. Hey, my name is Shannon. I'm from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm a BCBA and I work doing home-based ABA therapy. I decided to join SkillCore because I love working in this field and I realized that other people working in this field around the world must feel the same. However, I also realized that I'm fortunate to have had access to so much great education and resources. And I wanted to play a role in kind of spreading that so that those other people that love this work just as much as I do can continue to grow and develop and uh, really make a difference. Hi, my name is Megan Kelly and I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I currently work as a teaching assistant at the May Institute. I joined SkillCore to be a part of the movement and spread awareness about autism without even realizing the professional and personal growth that come with a SkillCore trip. 
My name is Amber Furby. I am co-owner and clinical director of Grace Autism Services. We service clients in coastal Georgia. I first became interested in SkillCore from a colleague of mine, Eliza Cagle, who had previously traveled with SkillCore. After hearing about her amazing experiences and doing some research on my own, I interviewed with SkillCore and was selected. Unfortunately, my first trip was postponed due to COVID, but I was fortunate enough to be assigned to Riyadh's Saudi team for March of 2022. I was really excited to visit Saudi Arabia, so I was glad to be selected for that team even after the pandemic. My name is Kelly Collins. I'm a BCBA from Baltimore, Maryland. I decided to jump on the SkillCore opportunity because I had been feeling underwhelmed and had started to lose my why or my purpose due to being burnt out. Not only did I want to do more for the global autism community, but I felt I needed to do more to be fulfilled in my role as an advocate and clinician. I desperately needed to get my why back and to reignite my passion. Hi, my name is Araceli. I am a BCBA and I am from California. I joined Skill Course because I wanted to be part of a greater movement. I actively practice spreading autism awareness, but I wanted to join others in spreading this awareness in other parts of the world. Hello, my name is Corey Taylor and I'm a BCBA from New Mexico. Currently, I work for Autism Spectrum Therapies as a behavior analyst that predominantly conducts initial assessments for new families, and I write the initial treatment program for their services. I decided to join SkillCore back in 2019 because their ideals aligned with mine. I wanted to travel internationally as a behavior analyst, but in a sustainable way. So I started looking for organizations that would fill the different areas I was interested in when I discovered Global Autism Project. The SkillCore program embodies everything I was searching for and more. I have now traveled to Kenya and Saudi Arabia as a SkillCore member, and I look forward to my next trip. And this is our Global Autism Project partner, Yasser, who you'll hear throughout this episode. Hi, I am Yasser Al-Jaidi, the co-founder of Namai, a behavioral therapy clinic in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. A huge thank you to Yasser and all the staff at Namai for extending the warmest hospitality to us. At the beginning of the trip, I asked the SkillCore team to write down what they were excited to learn throughout their journey. Here are parts of that conversation. There's something that we like to ask ourselves at various points of the trip, especially when you're feeling like you're maybe hitting a wall or you're feeling challenged with something. You can always ask yourself, what's here for me to learn? I'd like you guys to make a list of specific things that you're excited to learn. Maybe it's collaboration, maybe it's cultural sensitivity, maybe it's resourcefulness. Later on, I'd like you to track if you discover the moment when you're in this place. Aha, this is it. So just for now, what's here for me to learn? We're just starting out on the trip, day two. What do you see for yourself? Okay, we'd like to share. Okay. Uh, I hope to learn more about the culture and like some cool landmarks, um, how the center is run, and the interactions between the Name staff and clients, and learn some more new foods and maybe some Muslim traditions. All right. I like how you went first. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then you put food in there. That's <laughs> yeah. A little bit of everything. Um, I'll go. Um, kind of culturally, I'd like to. Be more connected because right now I feel like we're kind of like bystanders like just observing everything looking in and kind of by the end of the trip I'd love to feel like some sort of connection before going home 
and then clinically just kind of how Saudi culture specifically like impacts the ABA at the center. I really want to learn more about that. And then I also <laughs> eat my elevator rice better. <laughs> I want to be an elevator rice pro. Yeah. Can you describe for our listeners what elevator rice is? <laughs> elevator rice is when you ball up rice in your hand and you have to lift it from your hand to in your mouth without spilling uh-huh. by using your thumb and elevating it. <laughs> Got it. All right. Um, same as you, I'd like to learn, um, you know, what is important to the Saudi culture to, like, to teach their kids. Even the topography of the behavior is probably going to be a little bit different than what we're used to as far as, like, gestures and things like that. And I'm excited to learn the various customs, traditions, and, and etiquette around different, because I know it's going to be different around the women in the center and the kids than it would be, like, the men in this hotel. Um, I would like to feel more comfortable around others, especially people that I don't know, which I'm, I'm getting there. I would like to continue to learn and embrace this culture without judgment. Continue to practice gratitude for having and doing what's important to me, because what's important to me may not be what others value, but that's still okay. Um, being open to new experiences, regardless of what that may look like, and see it as just that, an experience. Yeah. Got it. So I mentioned cultural sensitivity and knowledge. So both, like, for what I'm here and to bring some of those skills back home for the people that I work with back home of different cultures. Collaboration skills in terms of, like, the clinical work, and then also specific clinical skills that I might be able to gain from everyone else on the team. Gratitude and humility. I thought about that a lot yesterday listening to Yasser talk about how grateful I am for the education I have and the knowledge that we have. And just to be here. And then some personal personal skills, um, increased strength, confidence, flexibility. I wrote about um, values as well, which I heard a lot of people mention. And we talk a lot about values at home in our company and that drives our practice and how we interact with each other, our company culture, understanding the culture of our clients and or the values of our clients. And that's kind of what shapes culture, right? So like when I've been thinking about the last couple days, we don't value the same things as people here. So the culture is different, right? So having a deeper understanding of their values and how that shapes their priorities so that we can better serve them in the clinic. And I'm really excited to meet the staff tomorrow and the clients and see how they do therapy and how they make it fun for the kids and what's fun to them and how they're goofy and things like that. So I'm excited. You guys are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I also have one more. I'm really excited to learn, like, more about the MAN program that Yasser was telling us about um, that he created. I just would love to know more and how they created it. Mm-hmm. The Give Me a Voice program. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was really awesome. Yeah, he's doing amazing work with that. All right. So, yeah, as I said, keep these in mind, right? So as they come up for you throughout the trip, you're like, yes, this is that thing that I wanted to learn. Just take note of that, whatever that means for you. Anything else anyone wants to add? I was thinking, um, one when I wrote down but didn't say, just how to give feedback and know my place within their culture without going over 
like stepping over boundaries, um, just kind of how to be respectful when I'm trying to teach them. Because like you said, our values might be a little bit different. I don't want to come across as domineering or overpowering, but like as they're equal mm-hmm. and just how to share that feedback in a respectful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you brought that up. And we'll get into that today, actually, when we talk about how we're going to deliver feedback and everything. Because sometimes that can happen where we come in and they see us as the experts. We're like the people from America, you know, and Mm -hmm. have all this knowledge, but really they're the ones who know what's best. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. The first few days were spent exploring Riyadh's cultural landmarks. We were lucky to visit a local home where we were spoiled with the best Arabic coffee, courtesy of Namayi's co-founder, Hanan. And we even rode some camels. <laughs> One afternoon, we walked around a traditional market and got to witness a local auction. Here are some of the team's comments about our first impressions of Saudi culture. I think the compassionate listening kind of resonated with me going into tomorrow and how we're going to be spending time with the therapist from the center. Um, And then like, what is here for me to learn? Because I think that it's going to be great to have conversations with them and really talk to people about their experience, like talk to them about their experience living here in such a different culture. And I think just remembering like, to kind of check our own biases and our own culture. Um, as we can go into that experience with a really open mind. Yeah. To kind of piggyback off of that, that's that's exactly how I feel too. That man who, when I asked what that was, and he laughed and he went, welcome to Saudi. And like, <laughs> like it just took for him to see the humor in like seeing American tourists, I just found kind of comforting in a way. And then when that lady came at the coffee shop and just big genuine smile on her face, welcome to Saudi. Like, yeah. It was a very different impression than I had the first day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it changed. So I think keeping that open mind, and, and the, they're just so welcoming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and having Yasser with too, obviously helps. Yeah. I was gonna say the same. I've learned like a lot about the culture and just like how wel- welcoming they are and friendly. Um, I've also learned a lot about myself, just like, being outgoing, I'm usually super shy and introverted. Um, and then also trying new foods. I will actually like some of them. <laughs> and I've been aided by all of you guys in that. So thank you. Why am I getting emotional? As I'm like that reading happens. over this, I feel like our team hits so many of these components of this quote. Like being present in the moment, allowing ourselves to experience new things, communicating with each other like aiding our own experiences. Like, I feel like we're just doing a really good job as a team in general here. And I like allowing everyone to grow as like, individuals, growing as a team and growing culturally. And it's been, it's been fun. Yeah. yeah it's just like checking my own biases a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Changing them based on direct observation. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> Travel is about finding those things you never knew you were looking for. That's still, to me, it's just, I know I said this like three times, but how much more we have in common with this culture than we don't. Yeah, there's like this um, preconceived idea from what you see in the media back home and Mm -hmm. just like 
you know, when people, you even tell people that you're coming to Saudi Arabia, and they're like, whoa. Yeah, one of my friends asked me, are you going to have bodyguards? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, respo- I responded, no, but I'm recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> or even like that, like Yasser said, you know, the language itself is, it sounds very brash, mm-hmm. but it's not mm-hmm. an, an aggressive, mm-hmm. they're not being aggressive. It's just yeah. how they talk. Sounds like they're yelling at each other. It does. Yeah. Start laughing. But then they laugh. Exactly. Smiling, yeah. Yeah. Maybe even like superficially, like I'm genuinely taking the Arabic coffee back and I think it's going to be like integrated into everyday stuff. And that's, you know, something that I'm really looking forward to and, you know, something new that I didn't even know existed really. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat dates and drink Arabic coffee like every day. <laughs> <laughs> I love like... I feel like when that, with the few interactions we've had with people and when they've like started a conversation or said welcome, what I really see is pride, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really cool. And they have lots to be proud of. Like it's a beautiful city. It's you know, that, so that's that's really cool to see. Like mm-hmm. how proud they are of their culture and that like, and like the lady, she seems so excited. A few people have seemed so excited. Like oh, thank you for coming to visit. Like it's a beautiful mm-hmm. country. I'm glad other people get to enjoy it. That's kind of how I've been. Yeah. Maybe that's just a story I'm, tell- I'm choosing to tell myself, but. That's the kind of how I'm interpreting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder how many like Westerners they've actually met. Mm-hmm. I've also thought about like as Americans, if we see tourists, sometimes we're like frustrated by it or annoyed mm-hmm. or like, ugh, like those tourists taking photos or stopping on the sidewalk, and here they're just like so excited, like mm-hmm. Amber's saying. So maybe change my mindset when I go back also to tourists, like if they need help finding something or like going a little bit out of my way to be a little bit more welcoming. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad mm-hmm. you said that. I've been thinking about that with like some friends of mine or clients of mine or just people I've seen where like, I feel like as Americans, actually I'm not gonna project, I don't know how you guys feel, but um, sometimes I think like that it's just different, right? Like just the way they live, whatever, but being here, I'm like, I empathize a little bit more like, wow, you, that has got to be such an adjustment, especially for people coming from this region, coming to the U.S. The way we do things, social construct and values and all that is so different. And that I didn't realize, like, that's got to be really difficult. I mean, on top of being away from your family and starting a life in a new country, like the social norms and all these things. And we don't have, they don't have a Yasser overseas, you know, helping them and to navigate that. So that's what I've been thinking about a lot the last few days is like, wow, being an immigrant from the Middle East, from a country like this specifically, has got to come with so many challenges in the U.S. Yeah, it's a really great reflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You almost kind of take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think when you live in a big city, too, like when you come from Chicago, like that was something that annoyed me a lot when I lived in Chicago, whereas like, yeah, tourists stopping in the middle when I'm trying to commute to work or when mm-hmm. I'm trying to go about my day. But it's also like, okay, chill out, Cal. Like, <laughs> walk around them. Like, who cares? Like, stopping traffic. Yeah, yes, yes exactly. <laughs> or how they drive. Oh, That's yeah. That's thing I'm like, because yeah, said that like, the lanes are a suggestion. Like, yeah. Not... Yeah, it also makes you think about the families you work with, right? Like, mm-hmm. a lot of you have some... Middle Eastern families and all the stressors they would be going through on top of raising a child with autism. And doing it in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I have a couple of clients we just started this past month. One little girl whose mom and dad, they moved from, let's say they're Indian. She said they're Indian. Um, they're in the States alone. And I have another client who just started, they're Syrian. They're in the States alone. No family friends, no family, nothing. Yeah. Now getting services is complicated enough. Yeah. You don't speak the language, or you don't know how. Or stuff. Yeah. And more so, that support system. That's yeah, more so. I was like going alone with your kid with autism. Families who are from our country have a hard enough time doing that. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. And they're also used to a lot more family, like family support here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. very much a village or a tribe. Yeah. You know, like Yasser said, they all typically like live in the same buildings mm -hmm. and same apartments. And to together. leave that would be yeah. difficult. It's yeah. very brave of them. Like I think I'm. I've always known that it was brave, but I have a newfound respect for that mm -hmm. level. I think of. Our first weekend in Riyadh was met with several logistical changes, among them a dust storm, which turned out to be quite the adventure when walking to lunch nearby. I commend the team for staying flexible since day one and always keeping an open mind when unexpected situations arose. During a morning chat, we discussed a proverb called the traveler. It goes like this. There was once an elderly and wise gentleman who lived in a village. He would often spend his days sitting in the shade of a big tree in the center of the village, reading books and talking to passers-by. One day, a traveler came upon his village and stopped and said, Old man, I have been traveling across the countryside, and I have seen many things and met many people. Can you tell me what kind of people I will find in your village? The elderly gentleman looked up at him and replied, Certainly I can, but first tell me what kind of people you have found on your travels. The traveler scowled and said, Old man, I have met people who cheat, steal, and aren't kind to strangers, and people who don't look out for one another. The elderly gentleman looked up and, with a faint look of sadness in his eyes, said, Oh, my friend, those are the people you will find in my village. The traveler kicked the dirt under his feet, scoffed, and marched off towards the village. By and by, as the elderly gentleman continued to enjoy his day, another traveler came walking through the village. Once again, the traveler stopped and asked, Please, kind sir, I have been traveling across the countryside, and I have seen many things and met many people. Can you tell me what kind of people I will find in your village? The elderly gentleman said, Certainly I can, but first tell me what kind of people you have found in your travels. The traveler replied, I have found people who are kind and welcoming of strangers, people who care for one another, and people who love. These are the people I have met in my travels. The elderly gentleman looked up and, with the faintest smile in his eyes, said, My friend, those are the people you will find in my village. So it actually it reminds me of um, a Native American proverb that my mom actually printed off and gave us over Christmas one year, and it's the, the Tale of the Two Wolves. Have you ever read that or heard about it? It's basically like there's negative that lives in everybody and there's positive that lives in everybody. And, you know, this little boy is asking his grandfather, well, which one prevails? Which one do you know you are? And he goes, well, it's the one that you feed. It's the one that you nourish. If you nourish the negative, you're going to be negative. If you nourish the positive, you're going to be positive. And just all the positive traits. So it's, it's about perspective. It's about attitude. And whatever it is you're looking for, whether consciously or subconsciously, that's what you're going to get. 
and it's true. That <laughs> you mentioned the subconscious, because I think that there's like a perspective that like you can have, where you're like, you know what you're looking for. Oh, these people are friendly. These people are not friendly. But you also have to remember like your learning history and these kind of stereotypes and things that are kind of working in the background that you might not even realize are there. But taking a moment to think about those as well and how they're influencing what you find when you enter a new situation. It's like the confirmation bias. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts about how this relates to this trip? Um, just from our initial conversations over the weekend and during our travels, I think everyone came in really optimistic and so excited and ready to experience the culture and we had our trials and tribulations getting here and we still stayed positive and then I think we like have seen that at every turn like from our experience at the restaurant to going to Anand's house, going to the clinic and I think we're definitely finding what we're looking for. I think it's also like you're going to experience positive and negative things when you travel so even though we are seeking like the good in all of our experiences, like there's still gonna be negative things, but not focusing on those and embracing the more positive or even like simply finding the silver linings of the bad things versus just, you know, ruminating in the negative. So taking the negative with stride and focusing on the positives. Yeah, and what we were talking about last night with the team's flexibility to changes and plans, right? It's easy to get frustrated and be like, well, I wanted to go to that historical village or I was excited to hang my feet off of the edge of the world, but when you focus on the things that you can't do, then you lose sight of what the opportunity is. Like, now we get to go bowling with the therapist. How cool is that? Mm -hmm. And the flea market was awesome. I loved that we went there. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I think it also has a lot to do with, like, mindset, too. Like, if you go into things thinking that it's going to be a bad time or people are not going to be nice, then that's going to be your outcome, mm -hmm. but if you go into it with an open mind. Yeah. I agree with what has been said. Um, I think it really helped helped me um, come with like an with excitement and an open mind of I'm gonna experience something new and it's and just enjoy it and embrace it. And I think wherever you go, like um, you're gonna meet people that are more welcoming than others. Or maybe, again, it's our perception. Maybe it's not that they're not welcoming. Maybe it's just that they're nervous themselves. It's something new. Um, maybe they just don't know how to approach us. Um, not necessarily that they're not welcoming. But like how Corey mentioned, was it uh, focus on the positive. Mm -hmm. And I, yes, I wanted to go to the edge of the world. And yes, I wanted to go to the sign. But we've just staying positive and I forgot all about where we were supposed to go <laughs> I really enjoyed myself and yeah so I think that has been really nice because usually I get um, a little bit disappointed like when um, I want my boyfriend tells me we're gonna go somewhere and then it doesn't happen and it's like I get I get a little bit disappointed, a little bit upset, and here, so like, it didn't happen, and I was surprised. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, I was really excited to go, because I love hiking, and I love, like, taking pictures, and, like, and sitting at, on the edge of, like, the mountain, or the rocks, and dangling my feet. <laughs> but, um, 
everything else that's been happening has been so positive in the experience that I forgot all about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's funny how this experience might impact your life in other mm -hmm. ways that you don't even realize. But like six months later, you might be like, oh, that was that thing that happened on school court. Like, this is why it happened. Well, like, I think it's, it's okay to be bummed when things don't go your way. Like, we're not saying, be positive all the time. Mm -hmm. But like you said, don't ruminate on it. Mm -hmm. That's something I'm going to take with for sure. <laughs> Later that afternoon, we went bowling with the therapists who work at Namayi. This was a wonderful chance to build rapport with the staff before officially starting to train them the next day. Here's the team sharing their excitement and curiosity prior to meeting the therapists. What are you guys looking forward to about tonight, hanging out with the therapists and getting to know them? I'm excited to get to know like, just like what they do for fun and like what their lives are like and what they enjoy. Again, continue to see all the connections that we have and like how similar they are to us. Mm -hmm. It's funny, too, because bowling seems like such an American thing <laughs> that it's like, oh, we're going to go bowling in Saudi Arabia. It's amazing to feel like you're connected to something at home with such a new and different culture. Like, it's fun. Mm -hmm. What do you want to ask them? What do you want to know? I think I'd like to know just how we are curious about what their interests are, what they do for fun. <clears throat> I'm wondering if if they have that same curiosity, like, you know, like what kind of questions they want to ask us. Mm -hmm. I feel like I need to prepare, like, a interview sheet because they have so much that I want to ask. You, like, bring it out and you're like, all right, so I've got a few questions yeah. for you. <laughs> I think, like, Megan, I'm excited to see the similarities that we have because I don't know why that's still shocking to me. I think because we just see the facade always, and what we see in our media is the facade. And being able to see them laugh, and like ask them why, like how and why are you an ABA too? Like what brought you to this, and what's keeping you here? Like what's your why? I hope that they are open and honest about how they feel about things. Like I have maybe very big turn American questions about like mm -hmm. how they feel about covering themselves. Like I wanna go there, but I also don't wanna offend them. Mm -hmm. So it's this like delicate balance of being respectful, but like being very curious. Mm -hmm. I want to ask about like how they feel about having to get permission to come with us because this is what the third activity. Because with the chalet, a lot of them didn't get permission with coffee. Not everyone got permission, but a lot more people got permission from their families to come bowling. Like, is that something they just roll with? And they're like, well, I didn't get permission, shoot, I can't come. Or is it something that they feel left out of? Like, do they, you know? Yeah, I'm curious about how they feel about marriage and family. And if they want to get married and have kids. I want to ask them, because I, I don't know how old any of them are, really. I think I have an idea. But like when Yasser said Hanan was married at 14, I guess in my head, all those texts would be married with families too, but... Yeah, but I think it might have been a different time. And I'm not okay. sure it's been on. No, I'm sure, I guess she got married here. Yeah, I don't know. I think but then, you know, between that generation and this generation, mm -hmm. there's been big changes in mm -hmm. like the level of education that women are getting. True. Um, jobs, jobs, driving, and stuff yeah. when they're getting married. It's been all pushed back. So. 
Yeah, which is nothing to talk to them about because I feel like it's probably a really exciting time to be a young woman mm -hmm. in this country because there's been lots of changes mm -hmm. as they've grown up. So. Mm -hmm. I don't think y'all were there. It was just Amber and I, and Rachel told us that um, there was a previous therapist at Namei that had only been working for about three months and she got married and her husband wouldn't allow her to continue working there. So if these women are not married yet, like, does their future allow them to hold these, continue these type of jobs if they're passionate about it? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. to think about us being told that we can no longer <clears throat> be CBAs, you know, that's almost the equivalent here. Mm -hmm. Well, they want to know if there's a conversation, like, do you sit down with your husband and discuss it, or does he just make the decision? You know, like, do they, do they get any sort of, like, input, like, this is why I want to do it? Or is the husband just like, I don't care what you want to do, you're not working? Yeah. I feel like it also probably depends. Yeah. 100%, right? On the person yeah. Yeah. And such I hope, <laughs> just hope I'm respectful, like you said. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> don't go too far or too deep or too much. Or <laughs> well, what do you think we can do to make sure that we stay respectful? Like, someone was saying, start small. Start with small questions, right? And kind of mm -hmm. test the waters. You guys have any other ideas? I think to kind of find out how they feel about like all the like rules that they have to follow and like the dressing, I think that we can start by like asking them like how they feel about the changes that are happening mm -hmm. here because they don't necessarily have to wear them mm -hmm. by Saudi law, but like maybe their families they do mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah, and maybe they also prefer to wear right. to make that making the assumption that right. that they want to work or that they want to live the freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I also think like prefacing our conversations, like let me know if like you don't want to answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, just that simple statement. And being aware that we're going to be um, hanging out with them in public. So that also might change how willing they are. Maybe depending on who else is around. Um, I mean, we'll be in a, a woman's section, but, but still, you know, they might not want to say something if they're worried that someone else might overhear yeah. what they have to say. True. Because I kind of wanted to ask too, like, do you go along with all this because you agree with it or because your family makes you? Mm -hmm. Like, even in America, you know, like going to church because you have to go to church with your family, do you go because you want to go to church or because that's what's expected of you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also feel like we're so excited and interested that they might not share that excitement of sharing and to yeah. be very okay with not getting maybe necessarily as in-depth answers as we're hoping and accepting that mm -hmm. it's their choice whether or not they want to share you know whatever their truth or their life is and mm -hmm. yeah like understanding and not pushing and being oh okay yeah and i think just like checking the way that we're asking these questions and making sure that we're coming across as interested and curious and compassionate and not judgmental. judgmental. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if they sense any judgment, that they're not going to be willing to share, and it's also going to be damaging to our working relationship going yes. forward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Finding naturalistic ways to ask, like as it comes up, not just being like, so oh, tell me what you think about this, mm -hmm. but like, you know, using our natural environment to yeah. be able to ask those sort of questions as they come. Mm -hmm. Reading nonverbal cues, I think, too. Yeah. Some of the questions we might ask, they may not have ever answered before. And maybe I've never even thought of. Or may not feel comfortable responding honestly mm -hmm. because of fear of what 
their peers might say because maybe they do want to go to America and they do want the, that freedom, but maybe they just don't feel comfortable sharing or expressing that. Mm-hmm. Right, with their colleague with right their next co- to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I wonder. I kind of want to ask if they talk about that stuff amongst themselves ever in private, like at a girl's day or something. You know, in a private home, like a private setting. Well, it's funny because, like, when your group of girls get together, you typically gossip about relationships or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure they do too, you know, mm-hmm. but it might just be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. When we talk, especially the last several years, we talk a lot about politics when we mm-hmm. get, you know, when you get politics and religion when you get with your friends, but do, do they? Because they're not, you know, we can speak freely without repercussions, but do they talk about that in private? Because we can talk about it at dinner without fear of anybody you know any sort of consequences maybe we can just set some intentions leading into it just have out like one word we'll all probably share them and they'll overlap but maybe we can share one each now mm-hmm. and then we'll, we can commit to it as a group just open mm-hmm. respect acceptance awareness Compassion, understanding, patience. All right. Cool. Oh, I'm excited. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Me too. <laughs> that night at bowling turned out to be so much fun. Listen to a few excerpts from the team's nightly reflections. It was really fun seeing um, the therapist and like as we discussed earlier, we were all curious to see what similarities were and there's plenty of similarities. Um, I know uh, Amber was talking to, well, I don't remember her name, but they were talking about their favorite shows and they, you guys had a few shows that, another show movies that you guys like to watch. And then just the way that they, they socialize, like just, just like in America, <laughs> or in back in back at home, yeah. you know, playful, take pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not much different than us. Mm-hmm. The younger generation is want to get married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like in America. <laughs> My plus would definitely be just like getting to know the therapist on like a more personal level, and not just like a work relationship with them. Um, it was just fun like talking to them and like sharing social medias and really getting to know them better. I think it made meeting them and, and hanging out with them makes me feel more at ease presenting to them tomorrow. Like knowing their personalities and because I feel like it's not gonna be so professional and rigid. Like if I make a mistake, we're all gonna giggle together mm-hmm. or something like you know, it, it kind of relieves a little bit of the pressure. It was really fun getting to know them personally and like bringing out the phones and showing pictures of things like Got to see a lot of cat videos. It was very exciting. <laughs> I like the moments where we were like interacting, like when on our team, we were like teaching each other. Like your mom was teaching you, and you mm. and I was teaching her. That was just fun. It was like kind of neat to be like, okay, let's teach each other something that's not ABA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoyed the conversations with Rowan mm-hmm. while we were playing pool, and with Arwa while we were having dinner. I appreciate like their candidness I guess like they were really willing to open up and 
Yeah, with the similarities of TV shows and stuff. When I asked Rowan if she ever wanted to travel, she said she'd want to go to New York because she loves Friends and Seinfeld. I was like, you watch Seinfeld? Oh. I was like, my dog's name is Cosmo after Kramer. And she's like, what? Oh. <laughs> and it was this really sweet moment because it's like an assumption that I made, like that they, Friends, yes, because Friends is everywhere, but Seinfeld is mm-hmm. kind of particular. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know if that humor would translate because mm-hmm. they don't watch that in Spain. It, it mm-hmm. did not make it there. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Like something we have in common. It was cool. Shannon and I, we were asking them what they did on the weekends and they were like, I can't remember what the word was, but basically like they go in the desert and hang out and it looks really cool. Like yeah. there's like little campfire set up with like something light streams and stuff. It starts with an M. It was super yeah. cool. And they asked, I was like, oh, and they were like, it's, it's like camping. Like camp. And I was like, oh yeah, I like to go camping. And I was showing her like my home. camping pictures. Yeah. But mine are in the forest. They yeah. are in the desert. And, then, and she had one from, like, the mountain. And they were like, oh! <laughs> and that's not the same place we're going for our camping? Is it different? I don't know. Well, it sounded like it wasn't a place, but, like, an that's activity. An activity that they do. Yeah. And like, sometimes it's more soft, but other times it's kind of just driving it to the desert and, like, so they, and they don't see Yeah, they set up, like, a little gotcha. yeah. area to hang out for the day. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And I showed them my tent, and I was like, I sleep there. <laughs> and Fatima was like, you can fall asleep because you drink beer and walk. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, beer because you drink beer? And I was like, yeah, no, that helps when you're camping. Yes, to fall asleep. <laughs> what were some other things that you guys were learning about them, things that might have surprised you? I asked how she was around, so she lives alone. Mm-hmm. And then I asked her if she lived near the center, and she said yes. So I was like, oh, then do you walk to work? Because she's here for work, so I figured maybe she would try to find somewhere she lived close mm-hmm. to the center. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said no. And I asked her if she got around, she said Uber. Mm. And she said it gets expensive, so she's yeah. saving up for a car. Yeah, she was saying that her brothers are not like typical Saudi men, mm-hmm. that they're different. I was like, what do you mean? But this was also kind of hard because we were playing pool, so we'd, like, get interrupted with the conversation mm-hmm. to take turns. But, yeah, she was saying that they're not, like, the traditional kind where they're pressuring her to even get married or anything. Yeah. Was that Arwa? Rowan, the psychologist. Oh, okay. Because Arwa was the same. She kind of said the same thing because we were trying to, right, the one sitting next to me at dinner? Did she say her parents aren't pressuring her? Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. she said, we were asking if she was traditional. Oh, or we like, were asking. Would you, do you like, yeah. the, like the traditional men? Men or, and she, and, and then we were like, well, old prints or new prints? And she's like, yeah. oh, new prints. That was how to tell you. Like, how did I describe this? Yeah. Like, it wasn't translating. But like, right away, she was like, oh, new. New yeah. prints. New yeah. Prints. yeah. <laughs> Both of them were saying that it's like very different now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was talking about this conversation, Johnny, Jumana, and Sawa about getting married and mm-hmm. if they want to. We were just like, oh, do you guys want to get married? And Sawa said she does because she wants to share her love with someone else. Oh, that's so cute. Sweet. And Joanna said she doesn't want to yet. Maybe never, but like she yeah. says she's too young now. <laughs> and then I asked when the typical age is to get married. And she said that it's much different now than it used to be. So she said it's like much more appropriate now for a woman to wait until she's in her later 20s or 30s to get mm-hmm. married and there's a lot and she but it varies family to family mm-hmm. okay um, yeah i love that amber just like went for it she's like what did you ask 
How do you meet men? Where do you meet them? Where do you meet boys? Yeah. Do you want to share, like, what Arwa was talking about? She was just saying that, like, they can meet out. They use Tinder. That They'll go out for, like, coffee and stuff. They'll go out to eat. And then if it gets serious, that they need permission from their parents. They also asked about working after you're married. And they said that it's... Most a lot of people do. A lot of women do continue to work. Mm. Um, Farah, that's the other like, older woman that works there. She has a she's married and has yeah. five kids. Yeah. 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 I asked your mom. I was like, "Who's all married here?" And she goes, "Oh, none of us except Hanan and Farah." I was like, "Oh." She's like, "Oh yeah, no, we don't. Not, we don't really want to." <laughs> I was like, "None of us are married either, except for." Rachel, I was like, everyone else has a boyfriend, but me, I don't have one. But it just was interesting. Mm-hmm. She's like, you, nobody, nobody's married, has kids. I was like, no. Yeah, I think they were, they were surprised. <laughs> well, I was like, they're selling his kids, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were surprised. Yeah, I want to hang out with them again. I do yeah. too. <laughs> I really so do fun. too. They were just so mm-hmm. friendly and bubbly. Yeah. Like it's it's nice being around people like that mm-hmm. in any country. I always you tell know. the the office, please hire people that are bubbly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bubbly people. <laughs> I can always train them, but the bubbly you can't mm-hmm. be trained. You right. Mm-hmm. Are or not. I mean, you can try, but it just has to be natural. Mm-hmm. That's what shocked me about Nura. Seeing her outside of the therapy, mm-hmm. I was like, you were so different when I. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm excited to like. I don't want to say confront. That's the wrong word, but to like kind of dive into that a little bit push her tomorrow. Bit. Like, because it was, she was working with a really little kid. Was anyone else watching her play air hockey? Yeah. Yes. 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 She, was so she was hilarious. She was cheating and she would like bring the puck on the other side and then run away. <laughs> like, I was like, like, I just yeah. was like, you do have the perfect personality session. for this. Mm-hmm. I also said, how are you? Jumped in the back of like one of her friend's photos too. Was like, yeah. <laughs> Sada is amazing. She's mm-hmm. just so friendly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. welcoming. I had a really nice conversation about how she wants to become a BCBA and go to the States and learn yeah. in California. And yeah, it was, was great. Cool. Well, our nightly reflection is to engage in self-care tonight, which kind of works out perfectly that we're here early. So what's your plan? What are you going to do? To prepare for our first day at Namayi, we reviewed the Global Autism Project's clinical training model. We talked about why it's essential to prioritize sustainability and how the Socratic method helps the learner develop critical thinking skills. As an organization, a big part of our responsibility involves respecting the values of the cultures we work with. Before heading to the center, we set intentions for the first day of training. Talk fast and move fast and do things fast, but really slowing down and um, just taking some breaths and making sure everyone's on the same page with us before we move forward and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's pace, right, when mm-hmm. we're training. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that ties into what our Sally said with patience, too. Mm-hmm. Patience with them because they're learning. And because I tend to get excited, too, and I'll kind of keep going and going and going without, like, stopping and being like, wait, does that make sense to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> So patience even with myself, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not yeah. jumping ahead. Make sure we're really listening to like what they already know and like, what questions they have for us. Mm-hmm. I said collaboration and that like we have it kind of in our minds how we think things should look or what we want to teach. 
but getting taking time to get feedback from them and that may mean that we have to adjust how we're doing things mm-hmm. or what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Collaborating on that. Yeah, keeping that Venn diagram in mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'll say well, I said acknowledgement because as we said before, they're already doing really amazing things. So mm-hmm. just to give them that confidence boost that they're on the right track. And to acknowledge yourselves too for all of the hard work that you've put into the training today. So just give yourself a little pat on the back. What did you guys share? Um, I said listening and I was journaling this morning and really kind of priming myself to be a supportive team member for my two partners that um, I'm doing the training with. And I'm so excited for Megan to lead her first training. I said, how cool is it that your first staff training is in Saudi? Um, so really listening to her and her needs and being a supportive team member for her. And then also, I think it was you who said listening to the staff and reading their body language and checking those nonverbal cues to see if they're really absorbing what we're presenting. Yeah. Thank you. I would hand you your little sticky note right now. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you are a natural-born leader. It's obvious to anyone, and it's awesome to see you being so supportive of your team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Second that, for sure. I see you sometimes when you're, like, holding back, jumping in. Mm-hmm. And I know that you wanted to really practice that, yeah. so kudos to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I said patience. Yes, although they are already doing great work, there are still some areas where there needs improvement. And just again, being a listener, and you may, I may need to, like yesterday when we were trying to um, have a conversation, there were times when we couldn't get the message across, and they couldn't, re- they wanted to respond to our question, but they didn't have a, the vocabulary. And so just, being patient with that process. And I may need to, need to kind of think outside the box if I want to model or explain something, like, okay, well, how can I explain it or show them it, with that language barrier being there? And yeah. still being able to get my point across and just being patient and listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate their patience with yes. us, especially yesterday when we were chatting at the table, mm-hmm. and I felt like Arlen wanted to wanted to answer more, wanted to elaborate more, and she was like, kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't quite know what to say, or I don't yeah. quite have that word. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate their patience with us. And, yes. and their openness to share all mm-hmm. that they've shared with us so far. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So everyone feeling good about today? Yeah, Yeah. that's normal. It's like there's a mixture of that thing in your stomach that's like nervous and excited. It's like the same feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's. That morning's workshop was a true representation of what successful collaboration looks like. (laughs) So. What could you do in the very beginning of session if you know she's going to come in? Only give it to her. All of that is. Only because writing is really hard. Could you do things that are very simple for her? That made you really write something you can't access that. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. 
Before lunch, we debriefed as a team to assess how the initial training had gone. Here are some highlights. I like that they were very, but they were participating, involved, and they were participating, they were asking questions, like the language barrier didn't stop them from not asking. So it was nice to have a interpreter, and I enjoyed that. Well, I was bummed that we didn't have time to like go through barriers as like a whole group discussion, but I don't know if you guys were getting that in your partner, you know, in your little groups, but I loved that they were like, well, I'm worried this might happen or this might happen, so we were able to problem solve a little bit. Well, I want to just say that you guys killed it. Mm-hmm. Like, all of you, each one of you. Megan, for going first, I mean, this was, you said, your first presentation ever. And you were up there with so much confidence. Like, I wouldn't have guessed that you were nervous at all. So, great job. And Araceli, too, they were saying you were speaking slowly and clearly. And Amber, I love how you were just asking questions. Like, the Socratic questioning, you're just so natural at it. Every time they would ask you, like, over there in that small room, when she was problem solving, and you were trying to turn it around on her to go through those seven steps that you just went through. So you were referencing the training that you did. It was perfect. Yeah. You guys did a really good job making it accessible. Like, it was all in plain language, and the back of my head I knew what things you were referencing. But that doesn't really matter to them, right? Like, they don't know what they're Oh, thank so you. That was really, it made it really like, digestible. And, yeah. My plus would be um, when Araceli was like talking, just like something clicked into one sentence. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> just, like, just like seeing that, and then also them like just like, saying how helpful it was and like knowing that we're actually making a difference. Mm-hmm. I think my plus is similar to that where I could see some of them like side combo where they're like discussing it like knowing kind of like you said like it's clicking and they're like oh yeah um, just the engagement that they had was super cool. <laughs> yes. And then I want us to say one more thing. Yeah. Um, also, we were talking earlier about like when you have the presentation, and I feel like everyone's like, "Oh, make sure you mention this," and don't forget yeah. about that. I just want to say thank you to everybody. I feel like as a team, like you guys raised your hand at the end, and like the, the few things that you threw, and I was like, "Oh, I'm glad that they touched on that." Yeah. Um, yeah. Maggie was stopping like throughout this presentation. She goes, "I think we should hit this one more time. Let me let me touch on this again." Um, it was really useful. I think. Um, so it was yeah. We don't want to overstep, but we also wanted to make it right. right. It was thorough. Right. Yeah. Yes. I thought it was great. Yeah. Teamwork. And we, we welcome the same thing. Yes. Yeah. When we're next, we're yeah. Cool. So far, so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the next morning's inspirational activity started with a quote by Henry David Thoreau. If you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now put the foundations under them. It's like your, your dreams or you're shooting for the mm-hmm. sky or the moon. Mm-hmm. And- it's not too high, you're not shooting too high, you just need to get there mm-hmm. by building a foundation. How do you think this relates to our work at Namai? I think that there's so much that we want to do for them and show them, but we just need to start building those foundations and then like future skill course trips will build them up there and we will be able to see that success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really common for skill core teams to feel like they want to do it all. And so there's that acceptance that you can't, and then trust in future teams that they will pick up where you left off. 
it's kind of like that conversation we had about having fewer ends meet. I think it kind of also summarizes like what ABA is in general. Like we all have these goals for our clients, for ourselves, and they're not just gonna get there in one step or one full swoop. And so we build things in increments and we take things one step at a time to reach our final goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like Amber, what you were telling the therapist yesterday about like they shouldn't feel the pressure to, can you repeat that? Yeah, that sometimes we, especially when you're learning and when you're getting intensive training like we're providing, that you have a tendency to feel overwhelmed or feel like I'm not doing it every single time. But, you know, I made this little change but we still have a million other things to address and to not get bogged down or feel like you're not making any progress because the progress is small. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we could apply that to our own training too. With them. This one is called Cathedral Building and it is adapted from The Cathedral Within by Bill Short. There was once a traveler who journeyed all over the globe in search of wisdom and enlightenment. In the midst of one village, he came upon a great deal of noise, dust, and commotion. He approached the nearest laborer and asked, Excuse me, I'm not from this village. May I ask what's going on here? The laborer replied curtly, Can't you see? I'm busting rocks. The traveler approached a second laborer, doing the same thing, and asked the same question. The second laborer replied, can't you see I'm earning a living to support my family? The traveler then approached the third laborer who was also breaking up rocks and posed the question a third time. With a broad smile and a gleam in his eye, the third laborer replied with great pride, can't you see we're building a cathedral? What do you guys think? What does that mean to you? I think it kind of goes back to what you said. Um, we're in the third, right, we're the third uh, group that comes here? Yeah. Yes, third group. Um, and we can see that there's there's some foundation. We having to, like you said earlier, we're not teaching like what are reinforcers and how do you get teach gaining attention. They they know they have those skills. Now we're coming back and we're planting more seeds, we're adding more training. And I would like to see like what it's gonna be like in a couple more years. It's probably going to be bigger, a bigger center. They're going to expand. Like now he's thinking about maybe bringing in interns. I think that's what he shared yesterday, right? Maybe having like a collaborating with the university. So it's definitely growing. And it's kind of like that cathedral. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It started small. Mm -hmm. For me, that quote resonates more with the different perspectives and experiences of all three workers. I've always felt so fortunate that I'm able to do what I'm so passionate about that it doesn't feel like I'm working. Of course, there are tasks, those daily tasks that get, you know, we're like, oh, you have to do converting appointments or whatever, um, dealing with insurance. Um, but really, it's like we're building something wonderful here and at home. and we're like impacting people's lives. So we're giving our students and giving Namai staff the tools to give their students language and a better quality of life. So we're not just taking data. We're not just working with one kid. We're helping them be independent and have better relationships and better quality of life. I think it's looking at the bigger picture, mm -hmm. like not the details that we're doing, but 
what's our end goal? Like kind of like you said, like we're not teaching the basics. We're teaching them how to make all this come together for a big goal. It's also um, the last labor being smiling and excited to be busting those rocks. I mean, that's each of us, like taking pride in the small things that we're contributing to the larger aspect of Global Autism Project and Skill Corps. Like we come in and we might be doing one training now and it might feel like we're just doing a small task, but what we're doing is we're contributing <coughs> to this larger movement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we feel it with a smile on our face. Mm -hmm. Each one of those workers was still contributing to the final goal, even though they each had different perspectives of what they were doing and why they were doing it. I think those are all valid. I'm just remembering that when you like meet people at work, they're all like they might have those different perspectives, and not one is better than the other. But taking into account why people feel they're there can be a good way to relate to them and figure out how you can help them. Because not everyone's a dreamer, right? Some people really do focus on the task, or some people might have so much going on at home that that is their why, right? Mm -hmm. And they can't see past that. Mm -hmm. Amber, you shared something with me yesterday about how this could maybe relate to. Um, the bigger picture with the kids. Could you share that? Because maybe we can kind of talk about that with the therapist yeah. today. I, as I was coaching some of the ladies, it seemed that they were not seeing the benefit in doing things away from the table, doing things that aren't on the data sheet. And I think that's common. I'm sure we've all experienced that in our time as RBTs and in the field, that Doing a little craft can still be a good use of the client's time and still be a useful learning opportunity, playing games, doing things with other students. And I felt like as I was coaching her and asking her more questions, she was kind of like, well, like we we'll bring it back to the data sheet or it just wasn't quite clicking that, like, what do, what do we want for this student? What do we want them to be able to do when they're not here with us? What do we want him to be able to do when he's at school, when he's at home? And then down the line also, years from now, how can we make this functional? How can we give him skills to be more independent in his everyday? Yeah, right, because maybe they're not seeing the cathedral they're building with the kids, right? Maybe they're getting bogged down in, like, each rock. Shannon actually pointed that out yesterday, too. Um, and she mentioned it to Yasser. Yeah. And, he, and he completely agreed. Mm -hmm. We were talking with Noura and Arwa, yeah. and, she, and she was mentioning to them, like, how... We were talking about Caddy specifically, and you said... I said that it's easy to get stuck on the tasks, the visual performance tasks, the language tasks as the learning, mm -hmm. but even if you do a whole session without that, and you have cooperation, and she's following instructions, and just going about her time in a positive way, that's learning too, and she's mm -hmm. a different type of learning. And I've seen it back home, therapists get really stuck yeah. on that as well, especially when you have kids that need to make a transition to maybe only working on functional communication for mm -hmm. all of their sessions because they're not ready for the other stuff yet. So like, like, the shifting that mindset is yeah. really important. Like you are still teaching them and they're still getting so much out of session. ABA isn't just table work. It's just mm -hmm. a way of teaching anything that mm -hmm. we want them to learn. Mm -hmm. Like to think outside of the data sheet. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Or if your data sheet doesn't capture what you're doing, then maybe like change the data sheet. Yeah, uh, right. Like that. that was the the surprise I had with no social goals or anything like that. And it's like they're not even being primed to think about doing different things away from the table without even having those goals in the data sheet. At home, oftentimes I'll write goals to shape staff behavior. It's not even a skill that I'm that concerned for the client to have, um, but I'll put a goal for like variety of activities just because I need you guys to be coming up. And I'll like, put the goal as like 30 different activities a day in staff. And I was like, what? And I'm like, well, you can be creative. You can do it. Tweak some things. Do this. And it really shapes staff behavior where now they go in there and they kind of know that. Yeah. Yeah. I recently wrote a program modeling language on AAC for kids. Mm. And my boss and I spoke about it. And she's like, this is like what we want therapists to be doing all the time. But they're not. So if you they have somewhere to write it down, that's going to help shape their behavior. So I think it's also important to reflect that we're having to do that for highly trained RBTs. Yeah. And so maybe like change our perspective on where we think that they should be and how we can assist them with that mm -hmm. or get creative ourselves. On our skill core trips, we usually try to schedule in some time for community outreach. Yasser had arranged for our team to meet with Dr. Saleh Al-Salehi from Princess Noda University's Child Development Center. We introduced the Global Autism Project's mission, learned about how autism is diagnosed at this hospital, and discussed the level of autism acceptance in Saudi Arabia. Diagnoses? Will they diagnose cerebral palsy and autism if they have it? Yes. Or? Yes. Of course. We do um, that. Full comprehensive. Full comprehensive assessment. So typically we have one day for multidisciplinary team assessment where we bring children uh, starting 8 o'clock in the morning and they finish at 12. So they will rotate between specialists, like first time, first schedule will be with uh, psychology, and then they will go to speech and then to physicians, and then occupational therapists, and then another child will rotate also. By the end of uh, the noon time, we discuss cases, we come up with diagnosis, uh, conclusions, and recommendations. And then we counsel parents. We have a small room at the other corridor here that we bring the father and mother and break the news for them. Uh, after Corona, we used this room. Actually, last last Wednesday, we have a mother who was a physician. She cried for one hour when she learned that her child has autism. Uh, she doesn't want the diagnosis. She knows her child is because two of her uh, sister's daughters have autism. And it was, you know, bad uh, experience for the family. What kind of support do you, or resources, do you provide parents? Well, we, um, we have a parent training, and we have behavioral therapy guidance manual that we send to parents. We developed the curriculum for uh, parent-mediated intervention, but we did not start it yet. Hopefully we'll start soon, or maybe after Ramadan. <laughs> um, what do they do kids? Can, get, can kids get services after the diagnosis? Yes, they will get the early intervention, unfortunately. We have, uh, our capacity is 35, and we have another 35 on the waiting list. Mm -hmm. So we give them options to the available resources, and we send them to those guys. <laughs> the following morning, we discussed what it means to make an impact in someone's life. If you think you're too small to have an impact, try going to bed with a mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> So what's coming up for you at this point in the trip? For me, that resonates with me because everybody else is in PCVA and I'm an RBT and I felt like I didn't have a lot to contribute, but I feel like I do. 
Mm-hmm. You do. Can you share a specific moment that maybe you're excited to share with people back home? Um, that I went first in the training. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It kind of reminds me of like those random acts of kindness, like how something really small can, you have no idea how big of an impact that can make on somebody. And to you, it might not feel like anything, but to them, it might mean the world. Mm-hmm. you have an example? Um, you have people helping little old ladies cross the street. Like that'll take two minutes out of somebody's day and it means, but it could mean the difference between that little old lady getting to an appointment on time or missing it, something like that. I also think sometimes our like one sentence positive feedback to the staff there, we are just giving feedback that we do a lot, but to them to hear that from BCBAs probably means the world to them. Yeah. Yeah. And the ripple effect of that. Mm-hmm. For me, um, I'm really excited for today. I feel like we've like put down some good foundation to work out some more things that have been coming up and um, work out kinks that you know of progress that still needs to be made. And I've been feeling like, am I helping too much? Am I following the gap process and how things should be done? Um, and little things Rachel has been saying to me has been really helpful. Like, I've been like. Do, kind of like imposter syndrome and like, am I doing the right thing? Am I helping too much? Am I going down the right path? And just little things that Rachel has said, I'm like, oh, that like makes such a difference. Um, so I feel like I have a bit more confidence and like I'm okay to like, even if I fail, even if she says, no, that's too much, um, it's okay. Like I feel like, but it's so little, it might be so little to you, like just one little thing that you said during the day, you know? Can you share? Because I don't know and maybe it'll help other people. Oh, okay. Um, so, like yesterday, I was like really tired at the end of the day, and then I was feeling like maybe too standoffish with um, Sada and Faria, and I felt like I, I didn't help at the end of the session. And then I heard them talking a little bit with Yasser, and I, they said it all in Arabic, so I couldn't understand, but I kept hearing, oh, Amber, oh, Amber. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, well, maybe that's helpful. And then we were, as we were walking out, I was like just like being a little too hard on myself and I have a habit of being a little too critical and you were like no I think you're so helpful and your skills are really useful to the team and don't feel like you aren't being a good team member um, that you just said that in passing as we were going to the car um, but that like really stuck with me so I feel like really excited for today and feel like it's okay if I make a mistake and it doesn't look perfect it doesn't need to. Great. For me um what made me more nervous about coming on this trip wasn't so much the whole trip that I was excited about that, but what made me nervous was the fact that um, I would be traveling with other BCBAs. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had some horrible experiences with some BCBAs when I used to work with, with um, previous agencies. And then I also had good experiences, but you know, you always remember the bad. <laughs> um, I think I've shared, I've been the only BCBA in my company for quite a while. And even when a BCBA comes on board, they leave pretty quickly. <laughs> so I haven't really had much interaction with other BCBAs. So that was what was making me nervous. Like, what are they gonna be like? <laughs> but it's been a positive experience and I've learned a lot from all of you already. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
we're human too. This <laughs> <laughs> so also brings up um, how excited Jemai was like over like the littlest thing yesterday because it gets at bubbles, which is like really a huge thing, but it's just a small word that some people wouldn't really realize is like such a huge deal. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Little things that you have to celebrate. I just think we're like planting the seeds for a bigger impact later down the road. So we might not necessarily get to see that impact while we're here. Maybe we'll just see some of those small things, but we can kind of set some things in motion that are going to have a major impact for them once they kind of adopt it and get practice with it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's cool. It's been cool for them for us to like share in that excitement with them. Like when a kid does something or when I can tell like, like yesterday was Nora, the little girl, when she waited, instead of prompting the correct response right away, because the little girl could do it. I heard her do it several times, and in my head I was like, why are you prompting and reinforcing a response that she can do 80% of the time, you know? And she waited, and she did it, and she looked at me like, oh, that worked! <laughs> like it was, she was wearing her stuff, so I couldn't see her facial expression, but I could tell, like, just like the genuine, oh my gosh! And I was like, yes, yeah! Like, and it's fun to share that excitement with them. <laughs> We have three full days left. We have all of skill core left. <laughs> so if you're ever feeling stuck, like, am I asking the right questions? Am I giving the right feedback? Just know that you're here for a reason. You were chosen for this trip for a reason. Everyone here has something to contribute. Even that one phrase of positive reinforcement for them goes a long way. So know that you're the mosquito here. You're making an impact. And that wraps up part one of our special SkillCore episode. Tune in next week to hear Team Saudi Arabia's personal and professional takeaways from the trip, as well as their advice to future SkillCore travelers. Are you a self-advocate or professional in the field looking to collaborate with others on a meaningful, life-changing adventure? Again, we're currently taking applications for trips in July and October. Join us today at skillcore.globalautismproject.org and use the coupon code AUTISMPODCAST to waive the application fee. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at AutismKnowsNoBorders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.